13. Gaius. Welcome. Do you want wine? Iulius Blobius said and stepped aside. Yes, thank you. Iulius Blobius gently poured the red liquid into the delicate cup. He was the eldest of the leaders active in Optimus Quirinless and one of the first who had joined them. Incredibly strong despite his thin and short body. His hair was a tangle with a mixture of grey and brown, it often stood in different directions. The green eyes were showing clarity and an unflinching determination radiated from them. A rich aroma of berries reached Gaius' nostrils as he accepted the cup. Plobius lived in a spacious apartment located in a four-story building in the northern parts of the Quirinal Hill, close to Domus Cornelia. All loyal leaders who worked devotedly were awarded residence on the hill, as part of the profit all of them worked so hard to earn. The houses in Rome, called Insulae, could reach up to 70 feet high and 50 families usually lived in a single house. On the top floor were the least attractive rooms placed. They were often small and lacked running water. The higher up in the house you lived the greater the risk of being killed in a fire. This was the main reason the top rooms were the cheapest. Plobius' home was on the second floor and was divided into two rooms and had running water. One of the more luxurious ones in the insulae. A couple of quick, hard knocks came from the front door. Before Plobius even had taken a step an additional banging filled the rooms. Irritated, he tore the door open. Both Gaius and Plobius stared with open mouths. Cornelius? The man outside the door tried a tired smile. When did you arrive? Just now. I'm looking for my father. Can't find him, he is not in Domus Optimus. How is it possible? The caravan has not reached Rome. How? Correct. I rode in advance. Gaius saw the dark circles under the young man's eyes. Then he saw the wound on his cheek, it stretched on the side of his face from the ear down to the jaw. It had an angry red tint. A fresh wound. Och what happened? Our situation has changed. After Alpius left us to ride to Rome, we were assaulted. Just after he left us, his voice faded away but he regained strength and continued quickly. I do not know who they were, but they were well equipped with advanced weapons, so not some common criminals. They seemed not to be looking for goods or money. The horrifying fact is that it felt like they just wanted to kill us. Silence fell over the three men. All of them in thoughts. I rode as fast as I could. How are you feeling? Under the circumstances? Good I think. We only lost a handful of men. Father's insistent demands for hard training paid off. Without combat capable men all would have been lost. Unfortunately, Lucius died. Someone needs to talk to his mother, he said, and struggled to keep his voice steady. Lucius was a cousin on his dead mother's side. Cornelius' stomach cramped when he recalled how thousands of people died that year. Although he was only a child, he would never forget. 
Even Lucius's father had died in the wave of the disease that had swept through Rome. That is one thing I will take care of. Sit down, sit down. Plobius pulled up a chair. Cornelius fell down on it, his shoulders sunk. Someone wanted to kill us, for no reason at all. That's what makes me so worried, even scared, actually. Let's talk to ducks. Since we were carrying urgent letters from the governor, could that be the reason? I have no idea what they contain. We are going to talk to Marcus, repeated Gaius. Yes, of course. Should we improve procedures and safety during our transports? Plobius asked. It looks as if we will need that. After a moment of silence Gaius said. Cornelius, let's go and look for your father. I can, I want to do it myself. He stood up, and with unsteady legs he walked towards the door. He decided to go down to the Roman Forum to see if his father had some errands in the large administration building, Tabularium. In Tabularium all trade contracts were kept. No one he asked had seen him. Cornelius noticed that many stared at his scar on his cheek. After further fruitless attempts, he decided to go back to Quirinus. With weary steps he passed the imperial column that marked the southern part of Quirinus. Everyone who passed Apollodorus column stopped to admire his masterpiece. The old Greek from Damascus have outdone himself this time, he thought. Even though it had been four years since the column was erected, every day many Romans still stopped to be amazed by all the details on the cylinders. The war against Dasa and King Decebalus lasted for many years and after the victory, the Senate wanted to show gratitude. Cornelius knew it was a hundred feet high, so even if fifteen adult men stood on each other's shoulders, they would not reach the top. He had heard that there was a staircase inside but never personally seen it. When Cornelius rounded the corner at Fortuna's temple and stepped out onto the square in front of the sanctuary, he saw his father, the man they called Ducks. People rushed all over the place, hurrying to keep up with their daily tasks. The sun warmed his back as he stood and studied his father. He was standing fifty feet away and was talking with an older woman, a vestal and head of the temple. A warm feeling spread throughout his body and for a moment he did not move, he only stood enjoying Rome and the pulse of the city. Although citizens were rushing across the square as scared rats, he experienced a sense of calm. He had always lived on the Quirinal Hill, this was his home. If only life could be like this, warm and easy, it would be so much easier living, he thought. Without conflicts and without Malasius and his father's unwavering hatred for each other, all the problems we are facing. His head was spinning. How is it possible that father managed to stay calm when so much is happening? He thought in amazement. Optimus turned around. Cornelius saw the blank stare before he registered what was in front of him. Cornelius! He shouted across the square. 
People stopped and looked at the man who shouted. They waved when they recognized Ducks Quirinus. Cornelius. Hello. He shouted back a little ashamed over his father's emotional display. Optimus nodded in the direction of the wound. That's why I came. I have been looking for you. We must go back to the house, it's something we have to talk about. What? Not here. Optimus noticed that his son's face became stiff and his eyes glassy, he realized that something had gone seriously wrong. Not a single word was exchanged on the way back to their domus. They just walked in silence next to each other. Cornelius glanced at his father and saw the unwavering strength that always had been there to help him, even though he knew he could do it himself, his support gave him additional strength. The attack had shaken him, it was the first time he had been forced to kill a man. He could still feel the stench from the man he fought. A sour and acrid odor that resembled old wine. His knife had slipped in under the man's left rib arch, directed upward reaching the heart. Hot, sticky blood had poured out on his hand. Time had stood still and he had no idea if they had been fighting several minutes or just a few seconds. Optimus men had appreciated his courage and after the fighting was over it was as if he was more accepted. For a few nights after he had woken with a dry mouth and his clothes wet with cold sweat, but no memories of what he had dreamed. Cornelius saw the straight, hard jawline on his father, on the man he loved most of all, and knew that he was safe again. Why would anyone want to kill me? Could Malasius be so vicious? Not even Cornelius believed it. Could it be someone else they tried to kill? Was it the messages from Galatia that was the target? Galatia, just north of Cilicia, was the small town where the emperor camped. Had the messages anything to do with Trajan? If so, what? Something was not right he thought for the hundredth time. It was no ordinary assault. Why were they just out to kill? They walked into the atrium. Domus Optimus lay silent, most people were out on some errand. When they stepped into the shades a cold winter wind blew straight through their tunics, Cornelius shuddered. A slave appeared. He stood close to the wall with his head bowed to wait for instructions. Cornelius and his father just walked past without saying anything, they walked straight into the studium and closed the door. Tell me. What happened? Cornelius did not know how to begin. He had not thought it through and most of it had happened so fast. Well, um, take your time, son. We have all day if you need. Oh no, you have a lot of important things to take care of. We must do this now and as soon as possible. It is important. Optimus saw the tears in his son's eyes and that he blinked and fought hard not to cry. He knew how the sour lump in the throat felt when you make an effort to not let emotions take over and everything would collapse. It's okay, Cornelius said. His voice barely audible. Optimus embraced his son for the first time. 
Cornelius swallowed several times. Yes I know. With a weak voice, he began to tell. We knew we were several days ahead of Germanicus. So really, we did not rush, but we wanted to get home as fast as possible. I made a mistake. Before us lay a pass with a rather narrow passage. I did not bother to send scouts to check the security. We were so close to Rome, just a few days. It's my fault that Lucius died, he said, and looked down at the floor. Optimus noticed how his son's jaw muscles worked without pause to avoid crying. He knew that Cornelius and Lucius had been close friends. Actually, he should lecture his son for his mistake, but given the sensitive situation, he realized that it could have devastating consequences for him and for their relationship. It's something I can take care of later, he thought. Cornelius, nobody is perfect. What makes us strong is that we learn from our mistakes, so we do not repeat them. The sun was low. Straight in our faces as we rode in. They came out of nowhere, they were all over us in an instant. Someone must have tipped them off. They did not seem to be ordinary bandits. The question is, who wanted to kill us? Optimus did not answer but he was aware of several capable rivals who he could imagine. Cornelius, except Lucius who else died? I held him in my arms, he, he. Cornelius fell silent, he was breathing heavily, his lips were pressed hard against his teeth. He lowered his head. He asked me to speak to his mother. I must go there. Not now. Wait a while and calm yourself. Optimus put his hand on his son's shoulder. They sat for some time without speaking. The noises of the distant city and the street outside were the only sounds that filled the silence. Who else died? Optimus asked again when Cornelius seemed to have recovered. Labenius, Brutus Domitius, and Xerox. Maybe a few more. I do not know. Several were injured but were still alive when I headed towards Rome. I rode day and night to get home. Cornelius' voice was unsteady and mushy. They were all good men, men we now have lost, important men for Optimus Quire unless, he thought. It was not difficult to understand that Cornelius now felt responsible. Together we will go to Lucius' mother and then I will take care of the other families. Please do not think about it. Sooner or later this would happen, I knew it, you knew it. It is an inevitable part of what we do. Criminals will always try to take what does not belong to them. But, it felt like we were the target not our cargo, they wanted to kill us. His voice trembled but was steadier than before. Good, thought Optimus, he is already recovering, he is strong, he is an Optimus. I spoke with Gaius and Blobius before I found you. They said Longvinius was looking for you, and if I found you before they did it, I would let you know. Blobius? Yes. Thanks. Cornelius was curious about the meeting, 
but knew that there was a good reason if his father did not say anything. A careful knock on the door broke their ruminations. Slowly it swung up. A slave stood in the door with a tray with two cups, a carafe, a few bowls of olives, dried fish and meat. Optimus waved to the slave who went up to the table and put down the tray, he turned and left without saying a word. Before we do anything else, we have to visit the bathhouse so you can freshen up. I had intended to go there later anyway, we do it now instead. But first, some food. Sure. He poked his finger in the bowl of olives. You need to eat something. Okay, he said without interest. Drink at least this, Optimus said, holding out a cup of a steaming drink. None of that barbaric and disgusting sludge. I never liked it. Cornelius, you have to keep an open mind to all ideas. Although they are uncultured barbarians, totally different than we are, with strange customs, there's a lot to learn. A lot of good things. It tastes terrible. But it's good for you. Yes, yes. Cornelius took the cup and held it in front of him, sniffed at it and grimaced. Oh, I completely forgot about it. I received a letter from Ostalos of Galatia. Cornelius put his hand in his tunic and took out a small scroll with a seal Optimus recognized. Ostalos was their contact throughout Asia Minor. Asia Minor had since 150 years been Roman and before that the area had been part of Alexander's kingdom and then his generals and their descendants. They now had a large network of contacts they traded with. Optimus had invested large sums of money among his partners in Asia Minor. Was it last year's report? Could it already be completed? It is not possible, so what is it? He took the scroll and opened it gently by breaking the seal with his fingers. His eyes quickly scanned the lines of words. Involuntarily, he quickly inhaled. What is it? Cornelius asked with a quiver in his voice. Oh no, nothing. I just felt something in my back. Must have pulled a muscle. Even the second time he read through the letter the words were still there, exit agreements. The provinces around Asia Minor had all terminated their contracts with them. Cilicia, Galatia, Lycia, Bithynia, Cappadocia, and Pontus, made up almost all provinces from the Marintinum all the way to Exinus, the vast sea beyond Macedonia. He was shaken. If this were to become a reality, Optimus Quirinless could be ruined. On top of this, they had most likely already lost a whole caravan of goods. With just a few pen strokes they had become destitute and unable to buy the weapons they needed so badly to take advantage of his plan. With an effort he forced himself not to show his concern. Ostalo's words were engraved in marble in his memory, we regret to inform that all agreements that regulates our collaboration, from the new year will cease to be effective. He had previously warned Gaius that they should not ignore the eastern provinces, and that they should visit them to ensure each individual agreement. 
The muscles in his face tightened as he clenched his teeth, the only visible sign, showing on the outside, of the volcano that was bubbling inside. They had argued and Gaius had affirmed and assured that it was better to deal with them in groups. He cursed himself for not listening to his inner feeling and conviction. He noticed that Cornelius was studying him. Once again he steeled himself not to show what he really felt. Now we are without contracts with more than half of the provinces. By Jupiter's blood. What are we going to do now? These shit-eating dogs. What could have led them to abandon us? He knew how quickly a fortune could be lost, knew that it was very difficult, almost impossible, to rise again. The new competition was fierce and many perish before they have a chance to build a strong trading house. The law that he himself had worked so hard to force the Senate to accept, commercial ex-militaries, had opened up the trade and improved commercial possibilities. Trajan had devalued the currency denarius a decade earlier, resulting in an increased interest in buying goods in the Roman provinces. The emperor's aggressive policy of expansion and constant war had made arms trade very lucrative. These factors taken together led to a rivalry between different trading houses and it was now harder than ever before. Demand was saturated and any loss would quickly be covered by any of the other houses. For more than twenty years he had built the house Optimus Quirinlis and trade had progressed. Everything was done faster, the roads were better, and the boats were bigger and faster. How could he get back to the top if they failed? Because there is no other place for Optimus Quirinlis than on the top. We have to be the best. It will be tough, he muttered to himself. What did you say father? Cornelius asked. I was just thinking out loud. There are so many new things happening. It feels like everything is going faster and faster. Just think of those new flat stones that are baked in ovens and that makes it possible to build the houses even higher. In Siburan they have built a house with seven floors. Cornelius looked with curious eyes at his father. How, by all gods, did he came to think of just that? He asked himself. Something is not right. I know my father, and he usually does not get lost in trivial concerns. Optimus cursed again the traders who had turned their back on them. Without the profits from the upcoming arms sales, we are out. We urgently need to get hold of capital. Our position in Rome will facilitate getting credit, so who can I lend from? Malasius, Burrus and many others will try to stop me. Maybe even Soflocos. Like hungry hyenas, they will hunt us to get a piece of the spoils. I can bet my Nesitus on the fact that it's Malasius that is behind this. Does he have any collaborators backing him? Burrus? Probably Burrus, but not Soflocos, or? He felt a hand on his arm. It was Cornelius who disturbed him in his thoughts. We should go and visit Longvinius. Yes, yes, of course. For the first time Cornelius saw uncertainty in his father's eyes.